back, everyone, to another edition of the Harry Potter Book Club. I'm Trevor. I'm Sylvia. I'm Vera. I'm Alex. I'm Matt. And I'm Crystal. In this episode, we've got a sort of special edition bonus episode going on where we're going to be reviewing the new fan-made movie, Voldemort Origins of the Air. I should warn you, we're going to be talking about the whole plot, everything involved in the movie. So if you have not seen it, this is your obligatory spoiler alert. You should stop right now, go watch it. It's only about 50 minutes to an hour. It's available for free on YouTube, and then you can come resume uh, listening to this review podcast. I'm now going to assume that if you're still listening, you have seen the movie, or you at least want the plot spoiled. So, friends, give me your initial impressions. We've all we've all seen the movie. I think we were excited about the possibility of something exploring Voldemort's past. Even the title, Origins of the Air, is really evocative and intriguing. What were your initial impressions? I gotta say, I was blown away by the quality of the video and the audio and the special effects. I mean, yeah. for a fan-made movie, I mean, we've seen a lot of fan-made stuff that we've just not really wanted to talk Some about at all. Some of us have created a lot of so, fan-made <laughs> stuff, also true. but we keep it private. Right. <laughs> um, and and this was really uh, something else. And if this is, is going to be sort of the new standard in what is able to be produced by amateurs or by professionals putting things out there for free in their spare time, then I think we have a lot to look forward to over the next yeah. few years. I mean, this was uh, this was really, really well done in a lot of ways. Um, so enough of the good. Um, <laughs> oh, that was all, huh? That was all you had that was good? I think, I think well, okay. It, it's not the only thing. good that impressions good. that people had? <laughs> I really liked the, the sets, the scenery yeah. you know, that they were able to show in the movie. I thought that was very good. Um, especially... You know, some of the, the mountain scenes and landscape that they were able to show, I, I thought that was very well done. And, um, you know, I was kind of gripped by that. Uh, there's also the uh, special effects with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shooting the magic out of wands and, you know, like zipping here and there, you know, I mean, apparating. I mean, I, it was just, it was well done for amateurs, for sure. Mm-hmm. It was almost, I'd say, Hollywood quality. Um, in, in certain respects when it came to special effects. Sorry about that, guys. The whining was our puppy, Paprika. Um, we have given her a little treat to hush her up for a little bit. Um, but I totally agree, Matt. I think the special effects were fantastic. I think the other really great thing was the exploration of the action sequences. Something that really disappointed me in the Harry Potter films was the sort of lack of inventiveness in the action scenes. Um, and the way that in this film they used, uh, apparition as a means of sort of like hyperspeed, really quick yeah. movement, um, was, was fantastic and, uh, really made me think of what potential there might be in magically enhanced martial arts that have yet to be explored in, you know, future movies or fan movies, um, as part of the Harry Potter world, um, that's, that seems like it'd be really exciting to me. Yeah, and that may seem like initially a small point, but I think we all know how easy it is to allow previous iterations of a film to like, even in our in our understanding of the books, to govern how we view things. Mm-hmm. So for these filmmakers to re-explore what's possible, just in terms of like magical motion, 
that's that's I think yeah pushing the envelope. Be, it's it's a real interesting type of creativity that I don't think we should take for granted mm -hmm. because normally we just stay in the lane of what we've already seen and assume that that is how things are done. Yeah. And I think there was there was enough of that sameness in the way that the effects were done, like when they did the newspaper mm -hmm. um, uh, sort of portion, and then uh, you could see a lot of the wand connections looked very similar with like the red and the green as it did in the movie. But then there would be sparks coming off when they would do magic and different things that they kind of added to have made their own take on it that I thought was really interesting. Um, so it, would, it felt enough like the Harry Potter universe, but then it had this kind of uniqueness to it mm -hmm. as well, which I thought was really well done. Yeah. I was actually really excited uh, at the very beginning, you know, probably the first seven minutes, you know, where it was kind of like, it was a really long, and I thought perhaps even too long of a like an intro. Sequence, yeah. yeah. I mean, where they're, mm -hmm. you know, showing the credits at the very beginning and it, it went on a little bit too long, but... It was still, you know, kind of a cool battle scene that they had there. And I really was excited at that point. And then after about seven or eight minutes into it, for me at least, it started to kind of go downhill. Yeah. Um, I would say that was about the point where the dialogue came in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I, we have been speaking a lot about how... <laughs> <laughs> we have been speaking a lot about how, you know, I guess the good aspects of this movie, but... I don't want to give the impression that I'm giving this two thumbs up um, yeah. because it, I, I did not enjoy, I'd say, most aspects of the movie. There were things that I did enjoy about it, but it, it, it didn't hit the mark for me. To share a story, Trevor and I decided to watch this movie in January when we actually were fasting from all TV. So we went off all, you know, Netflix, you know, television, whatever. But one night we were both really sick. And in a moment of weakness, we said, well, let's, it's not technically TV, you know, let's watch Origins of the Air on YouTube. So we pulled it up, um, sat on the couch, silently watched the film. When the film ended, we very quietly shut my laptop brushed our teeth, proceeded to bed, and ha spoke no words. <laughs> and that was our um, first reaction. And I think it was the next night, we actually, we, were, we had no words. The next night, Matt and Crystal were over, um, and we just started debriefing a little bit then um, and came to find out that we were both in agreement that there were some pretty serious uh, plot holes with this and among other issues. Um, so I'll just kind of leave it at that, that we were, it actually left us speechless, but not in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think for me again, so we've talked about the positive. A lot of it was cinematography mm -hmm. and like the technical artistic side, especially when you consider it's an, an amateur movie. Oh. When I first saw the trailers, I thought this was another Warner brothers. Right. Installment. I did not <laughs> clarify, but I, I, I did. I actually then tried, I think to really zealously convince Sylvia that this is the next movie that's supposed to be coming out. No, it's it's fan-made. but So it was pretty brilliant in that regard. The thing that intrigued me most was that it was going to be an exploration of the past. Mm -hmm. yeah. A backstory of characters that uh, have been mysterious, um, written mysteriously up to this point. That's part of the reason why the Fantastic Beasts franchise yeah. is so um, intriguing to me. I was telling Matt and Crystal, I personally, I don't really care that much about Newt's Commander. 
-hmm. I really care about how Newt's Commander is going to be a vehicle for storytelling that takes us to Grindelwald and Dumbledore and early 20th century wizarding culture and these backstories that we know have to really intricately connect to parts of, of the canonical story that we already know. But that last phrase is key because when fan-made stories, fan writing, starts trying to explore backstories, you're opening up all sorts of um, issues where you really have to very carefully connect the dots with what we already know. Yeah. Because otherwise you get these plot inconsistencies um, or uh, things that are, that are just not believable about certain characters and their behavior. And I think while that was the thing I went in most enthusiastic about, it was also the thing I was most disappointed about uh, origins of the air but granted it, it is the chief difficulty when you when you start with a project like this mm -hmm. yeah um well maybe we can just get into some of the things some of the problems that we had with it plot wise yeah. and otherwise i one of my chief problems i think was the dialogue to me felt very clunky didn't feel natural at all and i think some of that probably has to do with translation because it did seem like um do you, do you, do we know the origin of it's Italian? Of the Italian. Of the some of I thought it was in Italian, and some of it was in English. Some of them and it were was dubbed. dubbed over. Yeah, some of them were dubbed, and some of them were just like not quite in sync. And well, so even the English parts, I don't think they used a boom mic or anything. They they spoke the words, and then I think they went back into you know a, a sound booth later and mm -hmm. just tried to, to copy again. Mm -hmm. So like you could tell that during the film, um, that yeah, it just it did not work at all for me. Mm -hmm. As far as the plot goes, that was my big issue. And it's hard to know where to start, but I will say my biggest fundamental issue with the whole thing is Voldemort, if he were to weave this story um, about himself, why would he reveal all his greatest shames and weaknesses, mm -hmm. um, such as being a half-blood and the shame of his mother and the way she didn't use magic to save herself? Oh, and by the way, Horcruxes, his deepest, darkest secret to protect his security. Why would he go through this whole ruse, reveal all these things about himself instead of, you know, manipulating himself to look powerful or... Otherwise, why not just come in if he's truly the wizard that we see he is and just kill everybody right off the bat? Why go through this whole elaborate story? It just seemed pointless and also completely out of character yeah. that Tom Riddle would reveal these things about himself that he does not tell his closest followers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And there was no there was no hint of that. So, so we find out, if we're confused, we find out at the end that the whole time Grisha McLagan has been talking to, is it Makarov? Makarov. Makarov. It's been Voldemort in disguise. He is Grisha. And under the influence of Veritaserum, or maybe just because he wanted to mm -hmm. reveal all these things and he was immune, I'm not sure. That's not really clear. He tells everything about his past. And there was no hint at any point, except maybe the way she said Horcrux. Like, it was kind of a sly, like, sneaky thing, the way she delivered that line. Yeah. Um, other than that, there's no hint at all that it's Tom. There, she, it's... He's acting like Grisha, I would think. Yeah, I think what would have been more, you're right, uh, more in character for Voldemort would have been in the very beginning, he just killed everybody and then right. you know, looked for the book. you know, Because he's powerful enough to do that. My only 
hang up, or I guess I can see maybe where the writers were trying to go is when they says, you know, or I guess at the very end, right before it is revealed that this is Voldemort, they said, well, how did you know we had the book? And he said, I didn't, or maybe I did. I'm thinking, you know, I, yeah, again, <laughs> so, it's really convoluted. So yeah, it's really convoluted, but I, I'm thinking maybe Voldemort didn't know that. He had a suspicion and he wanted them to give the book. Again, I'm not saying it's, it's a good plot line, but I'm saying I'm trying to follow the train of thought. Maybe he didn't know that it was actually I mean, there. Maybe he I, just had a suspicion. He's, I, he's not the kind of guy that figures out if his suspicion... He's a shoot-first-ask-questions-later right. kind right. of guy. And I think that goes to his his character. He doesn't slow-play anything. In, in the canonical stories, that's kind of revealed as his chief weakness. He's not even concerned about all of the Deathly Hallows. He's only concerned about the Elder One, the thing that is immediately most powerful, because that's his M.O. He wants to be seen as powerful. He wants to possess power. Mm-hmm. And so this idea that he's sort of slow playing to see if his suspicions can be confirmed while he's in this really almost like cathartic way exposing his soul to a Russian horror general, it just it doesn't line up with who we know Tom Riddle to be. Mm-hmm. Here's what here's what I imagine probably happened. Um, fans wanted to explore Voldemort's backstory, and what is the easiest way to kind of conveniently get a plot to do that you end up having a character who is recollecting history in a way that you're confident they're telling the truth mm-hmm. yeah. so you create this scenario where uh, Grisha uh, who is actually Tom has Veritaserum and is now it's just a flashback mm-hmm. and that's actually an, e- an easy vehicle to start storytelling in, in a convenient way. The problem is, A, it's, it's not the most creative way mm-hmm. to do storytelling. B, as a device, it just doesn't fit with, with Tom's character, which no. we said. It's, I was never under the impression that he was fully succumbed to the Veritaserum. I thought he was showing he was so powerful he could overcome it because you can't lie and say, I'm someone else, right? I mean... Veritaserum brings the truth out, so I don't know how he could be using the word I and then the word Tom when he is Tom. Tom. Yeah. So I took it that, in my mind, he was just spinning yarn and pretending to be affected by Veritaserum. Maybe maybe that wasn't the case, um, and you can trick Veritaserum. But even, even then, okay, maybe he's trying to demonstrate his capacity to overcome Veritaserum. He's still telling a story that makes him look weak and needy and shameful mm-hmm. so if he can overcome veritaserum then he elected to tell a story that mm-hmm. would put himself in a really terrible light and yeah. threaten his most secure asset aka yeah. horcruxes yeah. Yeah. right now why if one person tell? escapes and gets out from all these people who've been like you know listening in on this thing so I felt the same as Sylvia actually about the Vera serum. Before I even knew that Grisha was actually Voldemort, I even wrote in my notes like, it doesn't seem like this Vera serum is affecting her the way we've seen it affect previous characters like right. Barty Crouch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's very monotone when he's giving his mm-hmm. speech, and she was very passionate when she was speaking. So the whole time I kept thinking she's not actually feeling the effects of this. Yeah, and then later to 
see that it's Voldemort made me think, well, maybe it was because it's Voldemort and he can overcome this being so powerful. But then again, you know, the flip side of that is, why would he tell this story? Yeah. That would be a really, like, helpful insight, which I think as as we're, like, having this conversation, we expect, oh, maybe that helps explain. Wait, no, that doesn't help explain yeah. Yeah. anything. That just adds to our confusion, which I, I think indicates... Like how how deep some of the plot issues go mm-hmm. with with Origins of the Earth. Did anyone think that the group or the the, the heirs club, mm-hmm. you know, those scenes I, I felt were the most awkward. Um, and I think the, it's because some of them were dubbed and some of them weren't. Yeah, it, it was very it, uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, so the Smith was also that was awkward. really rough too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the heirs. I think that whole sort of concept was an interesting one but it just kind of fell flat the way it mm-hmm. was portrayed i i was what i was thinking with these characters is you know they kind of threw us into like just emotion and turmoil almost right away and i felt like we didn't have enough background on these characters to even care yeah. what was going on with them i mean I, who cares if they start fighting i don't know anything about them um yeah. that's kind of how i felt and when we don't care about the characters, there's one point I think where you know they're showing the photo and it's like, oh, you know, they're chummy and that they used to be friends. They used to maybe be like Ron, Harry, and Hermione plus Voldemort. Yeah, <laughs> right. Plus Voldemort. Yeah, they used to be like that, but now they've they moved on. And there was that one little brief moment where it seemed like, oh, you know, it's kind of touching. But. Yeah, the dynamic between them was very awkward because it was trying. They were trying to tell us that there was a time when when they were all really close. Yeah. But like timeline wise, I don't know how that could have worked because. The, Ra- the Ravenclaw and Voldemort were both seniors, mm-hmm. and they were trying to push that Grisha was a second year. Yeah. Right. That she was... was supposed to be 12, yeah. Yeah. and all that stuff, and the flashbacks. <laughs> so that was ridiculous to me. Um, but, I, yeah, so at what point did they kind of band together as a club? I don't know. It just it was very awkward. And the rationale for the club. Was, I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't too. understand what it was that collecting these items was supposed to do, right? Because they were... Part of the idea was that... They were researching. They were and, researching and trying to find these these items that were the... And they had their little oath. That right. They did. And the little oath thing. And, like, I understand... We understand later on what Volt... Mort's, uh, you know, plan was with these things. Yeah. But why were the other three bent on collecting them together? What could they do? You know, they imply that the cup has magical powers of its own, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't believe was present in the in the I book series. So. I don't think we we it learned is. that. It yes, is. it yeah. is. That's yeah. Okay. Could you do you remember what exactly it was that the cup could do? Just we learned exactly that scene with Hepzibah Smith. They say that this cup is supposed to. He she tells Voldemort it's supposed to possess all these powers. That's all we know about it. Okay. But that scene we don't know what the powers are. Word for word, right. except for the end when they went off script. <laughs> got it. He got red eyes, and then mm-hmm. yeah, and the and the the slitty. And she um, was eating her chocolates really toothily. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> very awkwardly. <laughs> Awkward so, chocolate. Thinking back to like what Voldemort's character is, I thought it was just interesting that he has this group of friends at all. I mean, I know that, you know, he has, in quotes, friends throughout the series, but they made it look as if, like at the beginning when he was packing his trunk, as if he chose to just leave them behind. But knowing what we know about Voldemort, it would never have to be a choice. Like he looks at this photograph like longingly almost. 
And he's like, am I going to go with my friends or am I going to go pursue evil? And he drops the photo. <laughs> and it's thinking, like, we know who Voldemort is. He's going to yeah, pursue evil. It was never so, really a tragic came decision to Hogwarts, for him. He was torturing the other orphans right. in the orphanage. His pattern is get followers, yeah, you know, followers. or mm-hmm. rule or die. There's never been that we know of any close relationship mm-hmm. yeah. right? up for, to this point. For me, the chief issue with the club of heirs of Hogwarts founders is that Voldemort's identity as the heir of Slytherin is a really important secret that mm-hmm. we know about from his past because he opened the Chamber of Secrets. People died. Uh, Hagrid was framed. And we're supposed to think that, meanwhile, he's like, oh, hey, guys, I'm the heir of Slytherin, Mm -hmm. to his, like, besties. And they all knew. And There's a scene later where Grisha and Wiggliff were talking about how he had opened the Chamber of Secrets and killed some of those muggles. It's It's like... no one knew that at the time, or he would have been expelled. Right. No, Nobody knew... And they would they would not have regarded him the way that they did, almost like, oh Tom, come, you know, don't don't go off and do this thing. Quit right. being so mean. Oh wait, flashback. He opened the chamber of secrets. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, a he, known murderer. He is trying to kill all the not wizarding blood children yeah. in this castle. Like this is. This isn't some sort of tragic figure who's right. like being pulled by good and evil. No, he's he's just evil. He's the heir of Slytherin. So the fact that I, I thought the whole concept of the club, again, while an interesting potential plot device to get history and various characters and artifacts all together in the same place, doesn't work because Voldemort would n- never have revealed that. Yeah, it was again one of the things that he played close to the vest and had to. Otherwise, he's booted out of Hogwarts, which we actually know is one of the only places he actually wants to be. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought that was a pretty big issue with the way that the story yeah. moved. Did you guys feel like there were just a lot of eyes? Like a lot of oh, up close yes, eyes? Yes, I did. And yep. then what I felt about the eyes thing and then the music in the background was that it was like they tried to take what is really what are really poignant scenes in other movies like where you get a close up of someone and it's an intense moment and there's beautiful music playing and they just did it through the whole movie yeah, yeah. and it just it fell so short because you know those moments that they wanted something they wanted to convey something they just couldn't because they had been conveying it the whole movie right. it was really weird yeah really I don't, weird filming I don't know if anyone else noticed it but you're right in that they played music the entire movie. There was never a break, really. There I mean, was one small break, and it was so quiet that I, I looked over at yeah. you like, what is happening? There was Did a the break. Did the radio malfunction? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so they could start up another soundtrack. You know, yeah. that's, that's about it. It's interesting. Did you guys like, notice the music? Yeah. I, I like some of the music. I, mean, I, I liked the music. It was just... It was epic music. Yeah. The whole it, time. Yeah. Or like weird screeching things in yeah. the background as if Tom were... It sounded like a Horcrux, like the sound mm-hmm, the Horcrux mm-hmm. makes is in the background the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one other really quick qualm that I had yeah. was in the scene where he's fighting Lazarus and uh, I can't remember the Ravenclaw's name. What, what's his name? Wycliffe. Wick- Maybe I can't pronounce it. That's it. Yeah, that's the issue. So Tom says, we all know that you've been dying to prove the Raven can overtake the serpent or something. 
And Ravenclaw's mascot is not a raven, it's yeah. an eagle. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, that was that was a shame. And it was an awkward scene to begin with because like the lip dubbing that we're talking about, right. but then to just miss that entirely. And what was the eyeliner thing with Wicklow? I don't know. <laughs> oh, gosh. It, it was, didn't seem like a Ravenclaw thing to do. No. Yeah. It was very German metal band thing to do, which yeah. is not something I would associate with the Ravenclaw. Right. Um, the other thing that was really odd to me was the ending, um, where they found the bones, which I'm assuming were supposed to be Grisha's Yes, that's that's how I took it. Like he had used, so we meant to assume that he had used her murder to create the Horcrux of the diary. I did not assume that, but Mm. I could see why that assumption was there. I think... That's what I we think were like. I made that connection again. It's been because since they just, January. They were like some dark ritual, you know? And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, well, maybe he used her yeah. murder to create the Horcrux. Which I actually thought was probably the nicest plot point in the whole thing. Because it seemed like Grisha wanted to really get to know Tom. And... She got to know him. The, <laughs> the diary was the only... It was like where he put... So who he was. So... In the end, she did get to be connected yeah. to him in a very ruthlessly horrific way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're right. That was the nicest plot That was definitely point. the nicest plot point um, and then, that they added. And then the, the guys are walking away talking about I had something existential. And I just it seemed like they're trying to wrap it up in a way that didn't make sense with what had happened before. Right. Well, and then like one of the last lines, Igor, are you coming? And it's like... right. Igor Karkaroff? Like, what? <laughs> Why is he there? And yeah. Is is this, are they just like, oh, I know how we could throw one more twist in this. <laughs> right. It's actually Igor Karkaroff. Maybe it's just that Igor's a common Russian yeah. name, and that's Maybe. who it was, but it felt like they were trying to yeah. say something, they which made, maybe why we finished the movie, closed the laptop, and went silently to bed. <laughs> we were just like, what? What are they doing? Yeah. I mean, I felt like they were trying to imply it was Igor Karkaroff. Otherwise, why choose that name when there are other names that wouldn't have implied this is some other character we've already met? Mm. Mm. Vladimir. Just, there you just go. one example. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. All right. Well, I think we have given at least our, our first impressions and, and some deeper impressions as well of the fan made film Voldemort origins of the air if you have thoughts if you agree or if you vehemently disagree with us if you want to proclaim um, all of the beauties of this film and convince us that we're wrong uh, you can always find us on twitter uh, at the handle at hpbc podcast or you can send us an email at hpbcfanmail at gmail.com we would love to hear from you Uh, we'd love to know your thoughts on the movie, or directions that you'd like to see other sort of fan-made projects and fan writing go in exploring the backstories of the canon that we already have. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'd love for you to join us again sometime soon. One, two, three. Mischief Managed!